Hello and welcome to Teen 1D, the podcast about teenagers and young adults living with type 1 diabetes. I'm Jacqueline Lynch, a 17-year-old girl living in Illinois. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Teen 1D podcast should be considered advice, medical, or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. My guest for today's episode is my friend, Abby. We're going to just be discussing a whole list of topics. Do you want to start out with like how we met? Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm so excited to be here on this amazing podcast. Um, So Jackie and I met through JDRF Children's Congress. We were both Illinois delegates, so we got to fly out to Washington, D.C. and meet with legislators and talk about our experience living with type 1 and the importance of continuing to fund research. And we've been friends ever since. So what are you just doing in general like this summer? I mean, like, I know you've graduated and everything. So what are you up to now? Yeah. So I graduated a couple weeks ago, which was really exciting. And I just got my first job working as a host at Lou Malnati's. So I'm really excited about that because I love Chicago style pizza. So it's perfect for me. Also just starting dorm shopping and packing for college because I I move in in mid-August. I've got a a big pile in my room of all the stuff that I've bought on Amazon in my dorm. And I'm really excited about that. And then just enjoying getting back out in the world, seeing friends again now that I'm vaccinated, you know, and getting excited about college in the fall. That sounds great. So when were you diagnosed? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with type 1 in first grade. I was seven years old. It was April 21st, 2010. I still remember the date. What technology do you use, like CGM, shots, pumps, whatever? Yeah, so I use a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Uh, I'm wearing it on my leg right now, um, and I just connect that to my phone. I don't use a pump, so I, I am still on injections. I was considering getting on a pump kind of at the start of the pandemic and we kind of had to hold off on that but eventually once they come out with more advanced kind of closed loop systems I'm hoping to get on one of those yes me too I'm currently on the Omnipod right now and we're hoping that that closed loop system will be released soon it's said it's supposed to be released in the winter of this year but the date keeps changing so I guess we never know but right I've been keeping an eye on that too no, I love my Dexcom. I could not imagine not using it in all honesty because it just does so many things. How long have you used the stuff that you have used? So I've been on injections ever since I was first diagnosed. My doctor kind of always said, you'll get on a pump eventually. And then injections were working really well for me. And I never liked the idea of wearing something. So I just kind of never switched over to a pump. I started using a Dexcom G5 my freshman year of high school, um, towards the end of the year, because I got through my my first ever high school tennis season on just finger pricks. And that was a real challenge for me because I kept going low on the court and then spiking really badly afterward because I couldn't track my numbers while I was playing. And so after my tennis season, I went to my doctor and I said, I think it's time to check out a CGM. And honestly, I don't know how I ever lived without a CGM. It's just the greatest thing, being able to see the the trend arrows showing where I'm going and how fast it's dropping and things like that has just been so amazing for getting through high school and sports and all those things. And I'm excited to continue using it for college. I think it's going to really, really make it easier to do what I want to do. I can just 
talk about even from like a test taking aspect, knowing that like I'm going into a test at like a certain level is really helpful. So I can say to a teacher beforehand, hey, I can't take this test right now because I'm 57 and I won't do very well. Even if I have studied super hard the night before, it's very helpful just to take it from that point so that you don't have a bad test score as a result from a low or a super high number. But yes, I definitely feel you on the sports part. Exactly. And then getting into like when I took like the the SAT and ACT and all the other, you know, tests that you need for college, my my Dexcom just made it so much easier to just be able to, you know, not have to worry about going low in the middle of a test because since I have testing accommodations, I knew, okay, if it drops, my Dexcom will tell me and then I can stop and have a break and have some juice or whatever and do what I need to do to still be able to get a good score. Yes. So what activities did you participate in high school? I know you just talked about like your tennis team, but what else did you do? Yeah, so I did a whole bunch of different activities in high school. Varsity tennis was obviously a, a really big one for me. I always had my tennis season in the fall. That was really exciting. And then I did a lot of volunteer work. So I volunteered at my local hospital, which was a nice way to give back to my community and also get a look at what hopefully my future career will be, which is in medicine. I was really involved also with different science things at my school. So I did Science Olympiad all four years, which was great. And I did a lot of independent science research and then ended up my junior year getting a position at a Northwestern University neuroscience lab where I did projects on patients with Parkinson's and how they communicate and how their condition affects their speech. So that taught me a lot about research and about different brain conditions that I'm really excited to continue studying in college. Wow, all of that sounds super interesting. I know in the past when we spoke, you mentioned a science experiment you did on, I think it was rats, that you mimicked them to be able to have type 1 Could you talk about that or go further on it? Yeah. So I did a couple different projects surrounding type one. My freshman and sophomore year of high school with the research program that I was in, um, I knew that I wanted to do projects about type one. And so I started out with just a survey investigating um, the connection between severe illness and the onset of type one, because right before I was diagnosed, I was really, really sick with a bad virus. And my mom had always kind of wondered if there was maybe a connection there. And I talked to some other type one friends and found out that that some of them had had a similar experience. And that turned into um, a really big data analysis project where I collected data from a bunch of type one patients across the country and then tried to figure out whether there was a connection between illness and kind of triggering type one. Um, and my, my data showed that there was a, a connection or a potential connection between some kind of severe, either like any kind of stress on the body. So injury, illness, anything of that nature could kind of trigger something in the immune system that would make it attack the pancreas. And then my sophomore, my sophomore year, I kind of looked at a different side of things. So looking less at the trigger and more at the underlying genetics. Um, I'm the only one in my family with type one, but I know that it can often, there can be a genetic component and scientists aren't really sure still what that genetic component is. They know there are genes of interest, but they, they don't know a lot about what, what makes someone predisposed to have type one. 
And so I actually used fruit flies to recreate my, my goal was I thought that if I silenced a certain gene, if I deactivated a gene that's similar to a gene that humans have, that I could actually make these flies have symptoms of type one. And my experiment ended up working really well. So the, the gene that I was experimenting on did cause the flies to have symptoms of type one. So low energy and losing a lot of weight and all those kind of things, um, drinking a lot more fluids. So that was really, really interesting because it was a gene that scientists had marked as being of interest in type one, but they hadn't really had the time or resources or whatever to fully investigate. And so I was excited to be to be working with that. That's all super interesting, though. Like, I never would have really thought that you could put it in another species or animal or whatnot. But I can tell you, when I was diagnosed, I did have a super bad sore throat beforehand. And so that could have possibly triggered it. But yes, I did have one myself. I know being type one, people have said a lot of weird things to you or just in response to. So what is the weirdest thing that someone has ever said to you? I I have quite a list. Okay. Being in in high school, and I'm sure you can relate to this a little bit, but the the people around you just say really stupid things about like, especially being on injections, they'll see you drying up your insulin. They'll be like, is that heroin? Are you doing drugs? And then the other, I was talking to um, a, a friend's parent and I like had to stop to, I think, to take an injection because my blood sugar was going really high. And he just out of the blue, this is someone who I have known this friend since first grade and have been over to his house a bunch of times. So his parents presumably know that I have type one. And my friend's dad just turned to me and said, oh, are you slightly diabetic? I'm slightly diabetic too. And I was looking at him like, first of all, slightly diabetic definitely isn't a thing. Second of all, I'm sitting here drawing up an insulin shot. There is no slightly about this. You know, that's what I was thinking. What makes something slightly right? Very, very strange, especially because like I knew this friend before I was diagnosed. And when I was diagnosed, I like talked to him a lot about it. And it was like, do you you really don't know that like that I have type one? I don't it was just a very surreal experience. And my friend and I like laughed about it afterward. Like, what the heck? I know that those experiences have happened a lot. Something I've been wondering, I've been like keeping like a mental list over the years of like, where's the weirdest place that you've had to like change something? I have quite the list. I think one I can think over on like the top of my head is we had to stop in like a parking lot of the hospital on the ride home from somewhere to change my pump. And is there any story that you have that was just such a weird location? Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, since I don't wear a pump, I don't have as much stuff to change, thankfully. But Dex has expired at some pretty inconvenient moments. I remember one... um, when I was arranging, so another activity I'm involved in at my school is Dance Marathon, which is we spend the whole year fundraising for a different charity. Every year we like hold different events to fundraise for them. We like go canning outside stores and restaurants. And then it culminates at the end of the year in this huge eight hour dance marathon event. So it, it goes till midnight. It's like this this really fun, exciting thing in the school gym. And since I was an exec for the dance marathon team, I was in charge of helping to set it up. And right before the event was due to start, my Dexcom sensor failed. And so I really quick had to call my mom and be like, 
I'm going to be at school until midnight dancing. I absolutely can't be without my CGM. And so she drove to school with a new sensor and I ran out to my school parking lot, like in the middle of setting up streamers and lights and whatever, and just changed it in the parking lot and then ran back in to finish setting up. And I I remember like it was stressful as heck, but I also like had a moment of patting myself on the back, like, Hey, I just did that, you know, like a little bit badass. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yes, I think that's a fantastic story. So I already know part of this, but I think the audience would like to know what are your plans for this fall and where are you headed next? So I will be attending Yale University in the fall. I'm really excited. I'm going to be on a pre-med track, double majoring in molecular biology and psychology and I hope after the next four years, I hope to go to med school and be probably a transplant surgeon, some type of surgeon for sure. So I'm really excited to be spending the next four years in New Haven. That sounds fantastic. And how would you give advice on to like how to get into like a top tier school like that? Yeah, um, a couple of pieces of advice. The first is don't listen when people tell you you can't do it. I had a lot of people tell me, oh, people from our school or our town or whatever don't get into Ivy Leagues. Like, that's only for the rich kids or the kids who live in, you know, this area or that area or all these things. And just don't listen to them. You know, people, you know, if, if you are someone who works hard and tries your best and is passionate about what you're doing, it doesn't matter where you live or how much money you have or what kind of opportunities you've had. The, the school that is right for you will find you and it, it'll work out. I think my other piece of advice then is do what you love. There are a lot of people who like, they think there's this magic formula to get into college. And so they think, you know, you have to do band and debate and mock trial and whatever. And there's like this laundry list of activities that you have to do to get into college. And don't don't follow that formula because there is no one way to get into a school. The the only, I guess, one way is to do what you care about because your passion will show in your essays and in your volunteer hours and in however you choose to spend your time. Colleges just want to see that you have something you care about and something that makes you stand out from everyone around you in what you spend your time doing. So for me, that thing was my science research. And that was You know, I pursued that opportunity not because I thought it would get me into college, but because it was how I wanted to spend my time. And it ended up working out perfectly. That is really comforting to hear as someone who is just still in the college researching process and the college admissions process in general. It's kind of overwhelming. And so it's nice to hear somebody like take a step back and say, hey, you can do this. Have you met your roommate yet? And then I have to ask, if you have, do they know that you have type 1? I have not gotten my roommate assignment yet, so I have two more weeks to wait. I'm, like, counting down the days until they announce our roommates and our suite assignments. So the way Yale works is you get a roommate, and then you have a suite, which is you and your roommate, and then a couple other rooms that kind of all share a common room. So I'll definitely tell my roommate that I have type 1 once I meet them and get to know them. I have been thinking a lot actually about how that conversation is going to work because I struggle pretty badly with overnight lows. That's a a 
pretty real concern for me. And so I need to kind of prepare them for like, when you hear my Dexcom alarm going off at three in the morning, please don't be mad at me, <laughs> you know? So that's going to be a, a conversation that we have to have. But um, I was talking to, um, to my diabetes educator about this at my last endo appointment. And she said something that really stuck with me, which is if they're, they being your roommate or your friends or whoever else, if they're not kind and understanding and wanting to help you out with your diabetes, they're probably not someone you want to be friends with anyway. You know, you want people who are willing to take that, that part of you and to, you know, learn more about it and help you with it when you need help and just to be there and supportive of you. And that's the kind of people that I hope to meet in college anyway. So I'm, I'm hoping that my roommate will be that kind of person. Yeah, that sounds all great. I just know as something that I've always thought about, I've always tried to be upfront with the fact that I have type one, like if somebody cares, that's just kind of their problem. I mean, I don't see how it's affecting them. If you're like really overinvested and just can't understand and like have a judgment of this, I don't see why you're important enough to like keep around as my friend. Exactly. I'm going to leave you with two questions. These are not college related. These are not type one related, but just something that I ask everyone. What is your favorite song right now? What are you listening to? So I'm a Broadway girl. I'm super into show tunes. And right now I actually just saw the premiere of the new In the Heights movie. So that's been my jam lately. I've been getting really into that show and that soundtrack. And it's, if you're not a Broadway person, I recommend you check it out anyway, because it's not your typical Broadway style. It's like a Latin beat and very fun and easy to dance to. So that's been my thing lately. Yeah, I think I'm going to see that at some point or another. In the meantime, what is your favorite show? Like, I don't know what streaming services you have or if you just watch on cable or like not at all. But I mean, what are you watching right now? What are you enjoying? Yeah, so I'm into medical shows. Um, surprise, surprise, the science nerd is into <laughs> medical shows. And my favorite, I mean, I've tried like Grey's Anatomy and all those, but my favorite actually is ER, which is a bit of an older show. It was like kind of one of the first really good medical dramas. Um, and I don't have a lot of streaming services like Netflix and whatever. So most of what I find, I find from like searching around on the internet, but I love ER so much that I persuaded my mom to buy me like a DVD box set of all the seasons. And I've been just binge watching that while I've been at home. And it's really, really great stuff. Definitely. If you don't already want to work in medicine, it'll make you want to work in medicine because it's a really, really fun, engaging show. Okay, I've never actually heard of that show, so it does sound interesting when you talk about it, though. But no, I'm not a medical TV show person, though, but I might have to check that one out. Yeah, it's great because it's not, it's not super, like, gory. It's just fun and, like, fascinating kind of stuff, but not gory in the way that some more modern shows are. So that's all for today. If you have any suggestions or you want to talk to me about anything in general, don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at teen.t1d at gmail.com and please subscribe if you're interested in any more episodes and that really does help me out when you do it thanks for listening and don't wait to turn into next week's episode all right thanks bye